0: This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. Uh, good day to of on, on the Anasiyah. We go back to last week's show on a very important pasach that um, I actually spoke in front of about 40 therapists a while back. And I quoted this pasach. Very, 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 very much. And the pasuk says the following: It's a very easy pasuk, but it's a very deep pasuk. It says this: So Paro sent out the nation. So first of all, there's a whole shot on, on why they were w- they would have been willing to go back to tribe because they really should, it really it wouldn't be b'shalach parosham. Paro didn't send them; out, Hashem sent them out. So he says the arm, um, the ear of Rav. Looked at it that power set them out. They didn't, they were not connected to the king. Let us go. Okay, that's separate, totally separate shot. But like, did not take them the way of Polishnim. Why not? Because it was close. I just got here, right? You put on ways. If it's going to take you the long way, you're not going to use ways anymore. So, the reason. That Hashem didn't take them that way because it was close. That's the reason TF take them that way. So the Passover goes, un- understand, you're going to have a question. So the Passover says, because Hashem said, the nation is going to panic because they're going to see war. We're going to go back to Mitzrayim. There's many, many questions here. Number one, what does it mean when they're going to Mitzrayim? They're going to see a Mitzrayim? And then they're going to run back. What do you mean they're going to seek him? They're going to, they're going to be in a Muhammad, right? With the plishtim. And, and the big question over here is, because Baruch Hu just took him out of a shrine. They saw the, the makos, Right? They saw all these unbelievable nisim that a did. So why is a Kosh Baruch Hu Baruch Hu's, Baruch Hu's talking to us here? The Torah is talking to us. The Torah is telling to us that Hashem said, if, if I take them the shortcut and they see the plishtim, they just see them. They just, they didn't go to war with them, but the pushed were going to come out armed. These guys are going to panic, and they're going to run back. Because will just tell them, the same way I took care of you, Mitzrayim, I'll take care, take care of the them. Mitzrayim at that time was the, was the biggest nation in the world, was the strongest nation in the world. They had magic, you couldn't get through the walls. The them were an army, but they weren't Mitzrayim, by a long shot. So, the Jews should have said, Hashem took care of it, so take care of them." What's going on over here? So, in the in the rehab world, drug rehab or any addiction rehab world, so most programs are twenty eight day programs because because uh, insurance pays for the first twenty eight days of when a person's in rehab. Ninety percent of the customers, they call them the patients or whatever, the people that are in the rehab, In a twenty day program, twenty eight day program. 90% relapse. It's an amazing business. It's an amazing business. Return, like return customers, return customers. It's like, it's like nursing home if they had to get some mason, right? They keep, they keep coming back. It's an amazing business. The question is, why? Why do 90% of 28-day people who go for 28 days to rehab, why do they relapse? And the answer is the following. So, I, I just spoke to the stroll about this, I've been speaking about this a lot, and this is what I spoke about to the therapist. When a person, what is a person? What is his life? So there are many roads that we create in our psyche. Even from when we were little kids. I just told someone today, in Muncie, I lived in Muncie, I was seven years old. And Pirche had a malava malka. And I went to this malava malka, and they had salami and the salami was a, little, was a shtickle green <laughs> but I was only 7 years old so I ate the salami and I got an intestinal, virus, intestinal bacterial sickness that I had 107 temperature 107 temperature and they took me to um, the hospital over here and they threw me into a stainless steel tub with rubbing alcohol and chunks of ice in it because I was already, I remember this, I was already delirious. I was, I told my mother that the room was spinning, so they brought me an emergency and they had to get the temperature because your brain fries at that kind of temperature. So they had to get the temperature right away down to like 101. So those days they didn't, they believed in shock and they threw me into this thing and it, Mamish was freezing and my temperature dropped right away to 101. Today they don't do it anymore. Today they, they tell you, those days, We used to do it to our kids. We used to use cold water with alcohol. But but today they tell you to use lukewarm water. Just bring it down slowly. Without Baruch Hashem, I made it through alive, even though I probably wasn't supposed to. Um, And I have never, never, since I'm seven years old, put a piece of salami in my mouth. It's a fact. I can't. They have new dried salami have you know, the fancy and pomegranate to have salami cut with like mustard on it and it looks very fresh. I cannot eat salami because I went through a traumatic thing with a piece of salami. So what does that mean? That we we create roads in our psyche by what we experience. And I've had this argument with many of my friends and some rabbeim rabbis, um, and I've spoken to kids about this a lot. What is so wrong about Ampurim um, getting drunk? In my house, I am nobody comes to collect money in my house. There's no alcohol. There's, gra- there's grape juice. It's like we're not, We don't go to Wallstein's house. We don't care how much money. We're not going to get drunk. So my, my kids' weddings, no alcohol. I am very, very anti-alcohol. Now some people think... He's just a Meshuggah, and he's a Kanoi, he's Meshuggah. He talks about against alcohol. I have, in Flatbush, spoken to many catering halls and said that you're serving kids about 16 years old, and it's illegal. And if I have to, I'll, I'll, I'll bring the people in there to stop it, because I end up cleaning up the kid after he does the alcohol, and after he becomes an adult and he becomes an alcoholic or a, drugger, a drug addict, I'm the one who's got to clean them up. So I don't want to be cleaning up so many people. So, so why are you so against one time? The big question guys ask me is like, if I smoke a joint one time, it's not the end of the world to smoke a joint one time, I want to know what it feels like. That's all. I want to get blitzed one time. I want to get drunk one time. I want to smoke a cigarette one time. What is so bad? It's like, what is so bad? I'm going to tell you what is so bad. So in my Talmudim, my it's like, no, not even one time. Not because I'm so strict, but because I know what one time does. and What one time does is as follows. When you experience something, you get drunk, right? You have these kids, and some of these people in this room, you let your kids get drunk, okay? And then later on, you want to know why they're off the Derech, and why they're jumping off a building, and why they're shooting heroin into their veins, because what you don't realize is that once that kid experiences being drunk, it's a certain feeling. I never had that feeling. I was never drunk in my life. And there's some people in this room that know that I played ball my whole life, and I... I, I realized that if you're drunk or you're on drugs or anything like that, I was more of a hockey player when I was younger than a basketball player, but we understood that, especially in hockey, that if you're drunk or you drank or you're a little bit slow, you're a step slow, your face is in the glass and you're splatted like a mosquito. So you don't, you don't, you don't want to be a step slow, you want to be a step faster. So that kept me away from a lot of the stuff that some of my friends did. I wasn't interested. I never, I never got drunk. Now I can't get drunk because I know too many secrets, uh, even if I wanted to. I'd be talking, it would be like uh, I'd, have a, I'd have a news conference. But anyway, I was, never drunk. I was never, never drunk in my life. I never did drugs in my life. I don't know what that feeling is. It's not here. It's not in my brain. It's not in my psyche. I never created that road. I don't have a road that says drugs. I don't have a road, Broch Hashem, that says a lot of things. Those are not my addictions. I don't have them. What a lot of people do and what happens is as follows so when a guy comes out of, out of or a girl comes out of rehab so they are psyched up they're clean they do a detox the first 7 days they do a detox then they get 28 days of rehab after the detox it's the first time in a long time that they actually can think they can actually think, see things clear it's a little hard because now they're in pain because all the stuff they were doing was anesthesia so now they're in pain so sometimes it backfires once they're clean, now they really realize that they're nowhere and what they went through. So they give them these 28 days, heavy therapy, heavy, you know, you sit in, in, in also in groups, you listen to everybody else's pain, you're not alone. You're never, no, one, no, no one ever wants to be alone. So you have a support group. You're doing amazing. Your parents are all excited. He's going to come out clean. The, the wife is all excited. My husband's going to come out clean. Wife's going to get better. No more of this drug stuff, right? And he comes out and he's excited. And I'm going back to learn. I'm going back to work. I'm going back to my family. Whatever, whatever that person's going back to. And then boom. Within 30 days, 40 days, a month, two months, he's doing it again. I have a friend that stopped smoking when he, when he was 30. He is now 59 years old. It's 29 years ago he stopped smoking. His child is very not well right now. And for the last year, he is smoking like a chimney. He stopped so long. You beat it. 29 years later, you're starting to smoke again, and he's smoking like a chimney. And the answer is that if you have this road, you got drunk once, you know what it means to feel buzzed. You smoked up once. A girl, pornography, you watched something you weren't supposed to watch, right? I watched one thing, it was on my phone, it was for two minutes, right? It's the big theory, right? You gotta, you know, you gotta live. But you know what that looks like. now. You know what your body reacted. You know what it feels like. You know what the drugs feel like. You know what the stuff you watch feels like. Right? You know what the rush of gambling feels like. Any addiction that you want to choose. So you know what that feels like. But now you, you, you're a good guy. And you want to stop. And you want to get your life back. So you close the road. No more drinking. No more drugs. No more girls. No more looking at things they shouldn't. I'm done. Finished. I'm learning. I'm davening. I'm a new guy. I came out of rehab. I'm a new guy. So you close the road, and you put those big orange cones across the road. I lived on Locust Hollow Drive. They were always doing the sewers on my street, so the street was always closed. <laughs> so we had these cones, and then you know, closed road, closed. So what you do? You have to get home, right? I'm coming from shoe I got to go home. So you get out of your car, you move the cones, you pulled your car up, you put the cones back, and you went to your house. Well, I'm going to sit. I'm going to live in someone else's house till they finish the finish the road, right? So if, even if the road's closed. You can move those cones. So what happens is, once you have that road, once you got drunk, once, 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 once. Once you looked at something once that you weren't supposed to. Once you did it once, that road is there. Now you close that road. Finished. I'm done. But now life's not so great. And 29 years later, 29 years later, your kid is very sick. So you go back into your psyche to a place that used to make you comfortable. So he went back. And there was this road. Smoking. Beware. Causes cancer. Whatever it is. But closed. The road is there. So I not to create the road. He would have never started smoking. He would have never started smoking now at 59 years old. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And why would he start smoking? He doesn't know what it does for him. So smoking would just make him cough. What am I doing it for? So 29 years later. That road's been closed. For 29 years. And he's going back and he's saying, that's where I was comfortable after I had a good meal, I had a good cigarette. I got up in the morning, had a good cigarette. I'm gonna try it again. And now he's addicted worse than he was when he was 30 years old. Once you create that road, it will always be there. And therefore. You cannot create that road. And what happens is when they come out of rehab and they're like, I'm good, I'm clean, but then they come back to the real world. And the real world's not sitting there all day. Come tell me your problems. Let's talk in a group, right? And getting up in the morning and someone's making you a meal, especially if it's an expensive rehab, right? It's out in Malibu and you're watching the ocean and right, it's a great life. And then you come back and you gotta make a living and your wife's yelling at you, and your kids are this, and everybody's like, ah! So what do you do? You go back into your road. You go back into your psyche and you look for the road that, oh man, when everyone used to bother me as a kid, what did I do? I went outside in the backyard and I smoked I smoked a joint. So you, that road is still there. So you go to the road, you put the cones out and you say, I'm just going to do it one more time. Every addict, gambling, any addict that a person is addicted to, it's always, I'm just going to, no one ever says, okay, I'm an addict, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. It's like, I'm just going to take one more drug. I'm just going to go to Atlantic City one more time. I'm just going to open a web page on the computer and look at things that I shouldn't be looking at. One more time. I, and then I'm done. I don't got to do this anymore. It's like someone who loves wife's potato chips, I'm like eating one. Nobody eats one potato chip. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to eat one at a time. I'm going to finish the bag, but I'm going to only eat one at a time. You start in your head. So, why am I telling you this? Or why are he you coming here? with? The thing You're talking to a bunch of drug addicts. No. That's the first Pesach in B'Sha'ach. Hashem said, these Jewish people are slaves. They came out of Mitzrayim did this huge history, this huge road in their brain. Slavery. Slavery. And therefore, they, if I take them, Derek polish Pelishtim, and they even see war. They get triggered a little bit. They're going to move those cones and they're going to run back to Betrayim, because their psyche is slaves to the point that in the next few parshas, the most it sounds ridiculous. And you know, when I teach, I teach Chumash. We have this thing in our head that like the Jews were like like if we were in Betrayim. Right, we would have been for sure the one-fifth that got out. If we were in Betray, we would have never done the thing with the mon and the Slav. and there's no water. We would have been Moshe, man, we, what we just saw. What, what are you talking about? We don't see anything and we believe in Hashem. Look at these guys. What did they say to Moshe Benu? Take us back to Betray. Why? Abateach. Pickles. We want to go back. We used to have pickles, cucumbers. Anyone in this room understand that? You're a slave of the tribe. They're taking your kids and they're throwing your kids into the Nile River. They're shecting your other kids. Paro's taking a bath in blood. They're beating you. They're kicking you. They're hurting you. And oh, let's go back to Mitzrayim. Why do you guys want to go back to Mitzrayim? Imagine what Shabbat was like. What do you mean you're turning around? Why do you want to go to The Pickles! Mitrayan, they had cucumbers and watermelon. This Meshigar. We're going, to er, we're going to get to Tyra. We're going to Eretz Yisrael, Shiba Mina? He kept telling him Eretz Zoboth the Vash? You want to go back to Mitzrayim for a couple of pickles? So when we learned in Yeshiva, I'm like, yeah, these guys were bad guys. Like, would anyone in this room go back to Mitzrayim for pickles? And the Raya, my greatest Raya, was very funny. I said in Yeshiva, I just came back, my father's yard site, I said in Yeshiva, I got a good laugh, because it's very true, Medrash Shmuel. I said this, I said, I'll give you a Raya, That the slavery was such an addiction. It was such a huge highway in their psyche. You know, the one thing we don't mess with is money. And if we went back to Mitzrayim, we got to give them back all the money we took from them. Now you're telling me, forget the pickles and the watermelon. They're willing to go back to Mitzrayim, and now all the money they stole, they took, they didn't steal, right? They took that's why I'm going to say, you're back. Now you're going to get double shleck. Because now you ran away, you're coming back. And on top of that, we're taking all our money back. The Jews are willing to give all their money back for pickles? And watermelon? And fish? Which they never even had? What's going on over here? And the answer is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who created us, he's the one that's saying, He created us, he knows our psyche. He said, it's, nothing's going to help. If I take them the short way, the minute they see Muhammad, they're going to go back to that road because they're so scared. And they're going to run back to Mitzrayim. The abused, you should never know from this, but I deal with a lot of abused women. The abused always go back to the abuser. It makes no sense. I have dealt with women that we had to take them to the hospital and get stitches. They were black and blue. The husband beat them to a pulp. And I said, you are not going home. We are going to Besden, We're getting a divorce. We're putting this guy away forever. And this woman looks up at me. And I'm in the hospital with her. And she says to me, God, Wallstein, you don't understand. I deserved it. I said, you deserved it? Such a beating? What did you do? I put his fork a little bit not straight next to his plate. He beat her to a pulp. And she wants to go back to this man. She said, I'm, not, I'm telling you right now, I'm not making a report. I'm not saying anything. I'm not, I'm not going to press charges. This, I, would, I would rather live with someone who's beating me up than live on myself. That's the psyche. So we as Kalayisro, were are willing to go back to the abusers. we were willing to run back to Mitzrayim. To get abused again. Because that was our psyche. Why? Because in your brain, in your head... That is such a big highway. If you're a slave for so long, you have a slave mentality. And Hashem said, we're going to go 40 days. We're going to go a long way. We're going to go 40 days to get to Har Sinai. Why 40 days? Why was the trip supposed to be 40 days and ended up being 40 years? Because the Rambam says that to change of Mida takes 40 days. So therefore, the plan was we're going to go for 40 days, we're going to change your midah, and then you'll be okay. So 28 days surely doesn't work. Raman says at least 40 days. That's for sure. That's for sure. And I can tell you from experience, 90 days hardly ever work. You need at least 90 days, sometimes half a year, and the best we have in all the world, which is in Utah, it's 12 to 14 months. 12 to 14 months, you have a chance that maybe that road will stay closed. So it's a very scary thing that I'm telling you here. Because the addicts that I deal with, they're like, hey, Washington, so you're saying yourself that that road is always going to be there. If that road is always going to be there, then I always have a chance to relapse. And the answer is honestly, honestly, yeah. Honestly, if you have that in your psyche, you, your whole life, you better be very aware that that road exists. So how do you stop it? How do you stop from relapsing? So there's a kava that talks about addiction. There's one kavayasha in all hundred and two pages that really talks about addiction. And he tells an amazing I, I, I don't know if I've ever said it here, I don't think I have. He tells an amazing story, and based on the story, there's actually Psak and Halacha based on this story. And he says the following. He says, about the I heard this story about a person that he was extremely, extremely rich. If you want to look at it, Kayasha Perakhafhey. You can get Kavayosha, it's two, two volumes in English, two volumes in Hebrew, and if you want to get the, without any mafarsh on the bottom, there's one volume. But you have to hear the story. So this guy was a Compton. He was extremely rich, but he did not know how to give a penny tzedakah to the point, to the point, that he would not go to shul on Monday and Thursday. Because Monday and Thursday, the people would come to collect tzedakah. He wouldn't go to shul. He would not give a penny to anyone, but there was one chesed, that he lived by he was a mile and he would do a Brismila for anyone for free it didn't cost him any money but anyone who wanted a Brismila, he would do it without charging a mile charges a little bit. he would do it without charging. okay the people in the town like they, they, they had nothing to do with him. he was one of these just a guy that would not give anybody no matter who needed a wedding, no matter what anybody needed, not a penny. but that was his mitzvah. he had a mitzvah okay one day. Somebody comes. Mashkis. a shindalad, a shade. Shindalad comes to him. But he's he we know that they can they're changelings, they can change what they look like. And he came to him as a as a human being. So he said, Ishti elderly ben Zachar, my wife had a boy, her Milah is on a certain day, and he, asked you would come after you should tell my Come to the brisket and be the mile. Okay? He didn't know that he was a shindalad. or mazik. So he went running home. He took his brisket. haha, And the knife. And he went with him. So he gets onto this wagon. And he goes with this person. Because he thought he was a human being. They're on this wagon together. And they come to this forest. This shindalad. This mazik. Took him into this forest. A human being was never there. And it went through mountains, and it went through midbar, and he went through valleys. Two days. On the third day, they came to they came to this little town, and there were twenty houses in the town, and the houses were amazingly beautiful. So he comes to the house of where the, the mother and the baby are, and the rich man takes the wagon. He's putting it into the barn, and. He walks into the house and there's food on the table. There's bossa, bedogim, gedolim. And the moyo still doesn't know what's going on. And Shabal Bris has a mazik. That this Briz, the father, was a, was, a, was a shade. Anyway, so the first thing the moyo does is he goes to the mother to see the baby. If it's green, if it's yellow, whatever. To make sure it's, he can give it a bris Mila. When he walks into the room so the woman who gave birth, she was very happy. And she says, "Boy, come here close, I got to tell you something. I want to tell you a secret. You don't know what you just got yourself into, Mr. Mayo, because my husband is a shindal and a mashkas. But I'm a human. When I was a young girl, him. the Shadim took me, I am lost by them. I, I can never get out of here. She would call my same, will have over Rick. What they do is terrible things. She said, I am warning you that give my son a bris milah, but you need to know something about shindalads. Be careful not to eat anything that they give you to eat or to drink, and not to take a matana, not from my husband, and not for any of them, because if you take from them, they own you. You'll never get out of here. You can imagine this man is coming to do a mitzvah, the bris mila, and now he's in a town, and who's the head of the Shedim? <coughs> this father of this child. <coughs> There's a whole thing brought in the Sefer Kavayasha, in the Mufarshim. but they in la halacha, that a human woman with a, with a shindalad man, the child is Chayav in bris mila. But a human man with a shindalad woman is not chayav in bris mila. So he brings a whole halacha from this story. Okay, whatever it is. So now he's in big trouble. He's in a town surrounded by very bad shaydan, right? What is he going to do? So, they all come the night of the Vachnacht to the house. Mazikim, Mashchisim. And they have this big su'uda. And they said to the moyo, go wash. You're the moyo tomorrow. He said, I can't. I'm tired. Uh, I can't eat tonight, I have to go to sleep um, my hands are going to be shaking tomorrow, I have to go to sleep so he went to sleep and the next morning he does the bris when he finishes the bris so they invite him to the bris bagel, lox, all the food now what is the male going to say? so he says that I had a very bad night last night and I had a very bad dream She so this morning when I woke up I was macabre at ok so finally he said to the Shindalit, I did my job. I need to get home. So the Shindalit said, "Before we go home, listen to what he said. Even though you didn't eat and you didn't and you didn't drink, right?" He said, "Come echad. I want to take you to a room." So the Moel became very scared, and he figured, "This is it. They're going to kill him." So he takes him to the first room so we know from the Gemara that anything that's not watched when all the boats that go to the bottom of the sea that's what the Shindal that's what they collect. So he shows him a room full of all these artifacts that the human beings lost and there were Mamash gorgeous, gorgeous Calum in there. And he said to the male, I owe you for what you did take something from the room. And the male said you don't know who I am. I have a lot more money than you'll ever have. I don't need your silver and I don't need your kalim. Let's just go. He said, "No, I'm not letting you go unless you come to me in the second room." So we come to the second room, and there there are margolies, taboys, there are rings and jewelry, things that were lost at sea, things that were that were lost by people. So he said, Told tabas echad, take a ring or a kalim." And the male said, "No." I don't need anything. You don't understand. I have all this stuff. I don't need this. He says, okay. He takes him. I'm taking you to one more room, and then I'll take you home. And he takes him to the next room, and he opens up the door, and the mile stands there, and he feels faint. What he sees, his face turns white. <coughs> his legs start to shake. He's about to pass out. A room full of human heads. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, that's what, that wasn't it. <laughs> A room full of keys. Thousands and thousands of keys. Keys. People's keys that they lost. So he turns to the mile and he says, Ish," he says, I don't understand. I took you to all these rooms. You weren't excited. But... Over here you're standing, your mama's fainting, what's going on? And he says, I don't understand. that, about Mia. This this room, this Oitzer, you look like you're in shock. It's rock Bazo! the Maftechos made out of metal. The and the Moyel answers I need Mat Mia, I am shocked. on this bunch of um, keys that are hanging on this key ring. They're my keys. Those are my keys. To all my safe deposit boxes, all my warehouses, everywhere I have my money hidden. Those are my keys. That's my keychain. What's going on here? So the Shay says to him, Since you were good to me, and you traveled so far to do a bris for my son, and I see that Hashem is with you, because we try to trap you with food and drink. He didn't know, of course, that his wife told him. You took nothing, so it must be that God was protecting you. I'm going to tell you how I got your keys. I'm the king of this place. And they control the Shindalas, Mazikim, these people, these, these terrible angels, whatever, they control people. Specifically, people who are cheap. <laughs> we take their keys. Once we take their keys, they lose their bechira and they cannot do and gemilas be And they're misers; they don't take, they don't they don't spend money on themselves. to to at least enjoy. To buy good things for them or, 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 or food or clothing. But because you did this for me, take your keys back. Don't worry. Don't worry about you taking something for us because it's your keys. So you're only taking back what's yours. You won't have the punishment, the, the, the thing that we control you. Bikach Chaimel haKishus shem Aptechas, so he takes back his keys. V'halch Mosimchol leBeis, so he goes home. When he gets home, Netbach leVavai, his his whole heart changes. V'Nashal Lishachim becomes another man, another person. The take of Bana Binyan he builds a, a big shul. Based on Kneses Mufur Ma'oyd, he does Tzedaka. He's Mefanis Meinim Malbish Harumim. V'hiplas Hashad Yehi Ma'asei. And he did this till he died. V'nifta B'shemto, when he died with a good name. This is an exact story of what addiction is. You see, addiction means you lost your key. Addiction means you lost your bechira. Of course, every person has bechira. The guy who's an alcoholic, right? And that's a separate discussion. Guys who drink a whole Shabbos and get drunk, and they're like, "My raya that I'm not an alcoholic because I don't drink a whole week. I only drink on Shabbos." So I thought when I first started in this dealing with people, maybe he's right. Because if he only drinks on Shabbos and he doesn't have so hard to drink a whole week maybe he's talking not an alcoholic. So I went to, big, to the big people in alcoholism and I said, you know, there's a weird thing about Jews, right? That they can drink a whole Saturday and be drunk most of the time out. And a whole week they don't take a drop. And they can smoke a whole week and not smoke one cigarette on Shabbos. We're so different than everyone else. <laughs> A whole week, we're in our, addic- in our addiction. So the guys who smoke, the rye, they're not addicted, they don't smoke on Shabbos. And the guys who drink, the riot they're not addicted, is they don't drink during the week. So I went to the G'daylum in, in, in psychology, and I said, what's the deal? There, there's no other addicts in the world that can stop, they can smoke and stop a whole day Saturday, every Saturday for their whole life. It, it doesn't exist. We're the only ones that can do that. And the answer is, they said to me, okay, Go to the guys who drink on Shabbos and get drunk and tell them for, a, for the next four weeks you can't. You have to go dry a whole Shabbos. If they can go dry a whole Shabbos, maybe they're not addicted. But if they can't, if they're having withdrawal, if they're going crazy on Shabbos, I can't, I can't go through 26 hours unless I'm drunk, right? Then it's, it's a specified addiction it's called. It's an addiction. If he can't, when you can't say no to something, then you are a slave. What is the only word that a slave cannot that a slave cannot say can't say no we think Americans freedom is yes no freedom right freedom is not yes freedom is the ability to say no because the one thing a slave can't say is no so if I can say no to something if I can say I am not smoking I am not drinking then I am free a slave cannot say that word a slave says no they chop his head off can't say no, you're a slave. You have to say yes. So the ability to say no, that means that you're a free person. So a guy who drinks every Shabbos, and you're like, go for Shabbosim, for Shabbosim, and you're not going to drink anything, grape juice for Kiddush, no alcohol whatsoever, and he's like, ah, I I struggle the whole Shabbos, I can't, I can't, I can't, I I can't go through a whole dry Shabbos. So you're addicted. That's the person who's addicted. And the person who smokes a whole week, doesn't smoke on Shabbos, tell him for four weeks, don't smoke, and see if he can. If he can't, he's addicted. So it doesn't mean that you lost your Bechira because I'm still a human being, right? He did it, but you lost your key. You don't have the key anymore. What happened over here in Perich He was a guy said, no to Tzedakah, no to Tzedakah, no to Tzedakah, no to, tzedakah, no to tzedakah, until finally he created such a big road, no charity, that he no longer in his psyche could go to a place called charity. So it's a muscle the keys it's a marshal to understand and the minute he got his keys back he was ready to give tzedakah tzedakah was no problem and that's the answer the unbelievable answer to the problem because really you're coming and telling me that as a a young guy if I was a smoker a drinker anything that I did that right you're telling me I'm done I have this road and I'm going to go back there sooner or later maybe 10 years maybe 15 maybe 20 but I'm going to go back there to and I'm done what am I going to do and this Kavayasha answers two things that you can do. One, to create a road that is bigger than the road in your psyche that you had before. In other words, my mother in law, she should live she should have a of javum, went through a terrible Holocaust where they marched her from Krakow, Poland to Siberia, Russia, and everyone died along the way. She lost everybody. And the one thing that she got from her father he had that's before he died was a tehillim and he said no matter what where you are no matter what problems you have this is what you should always open your tehillim and dame to Hashem she is in her 80s she's a tehillim zagger anytime there's something wrong in the family that tehillim gets open and she says tehillim she says the whole tehillim why? because the road in her psyche was not drinking when I'm in trouble was not smoking when I'm in trouble was say tehillim when I'm in trouble so she's now eighty-three years old or eighty-four years old. In her head, oh my gosh, someone's sick to heal him because that's the road you go back to. Now, if the road that you go back to because you did the wrong things, right, it's out there. But if you create a super highway then you're not going to ever get back to that road that's all the way at the end of your psyche because you created something so big that now every time you're in trouble, every time you need to go somewhere, that's where you go. So there are guys that didn't learn when they were younger, but now they learn. They're bala and they're learning and they're learning. And they're having a problem business. They're like, I'm going to learn another hour. I'm going to put my head in the book. I, that's my escape. You know, you, it, it, may, it may not sound right, but many people who Baruch Hashem, have grown in their Torah, that's where they escape. That's where they go away not in business and not watching a movie and television no they're like let me take a safer let me escape I'm going to go to the base medrash there's nothing else I was by the koisel Monday and Tuesday morning at 4 o'clock okay was was at 6.30 o'clock you sit by the koisel I escaped I sat there for two hours me and Hashem in front of the koisel the collectors didn't get there yet so you didn't have a hand in your face every two minutes (laughs) right and I sat there and I was like I don't say chayk but when I'm in, in Eric Strong, by the Christ, I say, Chayk, there's a Zayam, and there's Dinim, and there's Allah and there's Navi, and there's Ksuvim. I, I, it, was, it was better than anything. Yes, when I was younger, I went to the basketball court. That's where I went to escape. But I can't, I don't, I'm not healthy enough to do that anymore, whatever it is. So I have a different escape. So my highway has changed. So I have to go through that highway to get to my addiction of, of, of being a young guy? I have this super highway. I, Baruch Hashem, have a highway i Nava, Nava, Whatever I'm doing, I'm so busy with it that if I'm if I'm, in, if I'm in trouble, I'm going through some stuff. So what in business? So I just spend more time in our Nava. I spend more, more time in school talking to a high school girl who's depressed, who's broken. I spend more time with the kids that I'm helping, and I walk out of there feeling good. I have a huge highway. So I don't get to all the nonsense I did as a kid. I got roads. I got plenty of roads. I don't get to them. And that's what he said over here. This guy came home. He built schools. He took care of weddings. He took care of almanos. He took care of yeshivas. This miser put himself into a deep, deep, huge highway of tzedakah, of chesed. So he was never going to become a miser again. Ah, he had a road for how many years that he gave not a penny. So he got his key back. He got a new road. And the Rambam says something else. The Rambam talks in in the sixth parak, in Hilchot Tshuva. He talks about, that that Paro couldn't do chuva, by the way, it's another ridiculous. I saw last week that not only did Paro do Chuva, I don't have the safer with me, or I do have it I have it upstairs. Not only did Paro do Chuva, of course it says Ad Echad, he was the one that was saved from the from the Yamsuf and he ended up in Ninveh. We all know that. Became the king of Ninveh and they did chuva when, when Yonah came. So it says that he became a ger, And there's a riot from the Post. I don't have it in front of me where it says the word Ger. Not ki Germatem, but the word ger, because it's talking about Paro, It says that Paro became a Ger. Could be Tatanadavelior, I'm not sure where it comes from. That Paro became a Ger, and when he died, he was placed at the gate of Gehenna. And every Russia that comes to Gehenim, he says, What is wrong with you? I was paro. You saw that I, Mitzrayim, was destroyed. Destroyed. Wiped out, the whole nation. My nation, destroyed. I went through ten Makos. You all know the Bible you're Jews, you surely know the Bible you're Christians, you know the Testament you're, you're, you're Arabs, you know the Testament everyone knows about what happened to Mitzrayim how could it be that you know what happened to me and you still did Averis that tree sits there and who's sitting next to him? who's sitting next to Paro? Abraham Avinu that's what it says, Abraham Avinu sits by the, by the gate of Gehenna and he pulls out every Jew that had a bris but it doesn't mean a bris physically it means a bris, the Arla of the Neshama. It's a whole different sheer, very, very deep. Because the Bris, what is a Bris? You had a Bris meal when you were a kid, and then you, you did every aver in the world. You think Abraham is going to pull you out of Gehenim? Because you had a Bris. The Bris is a physical thing. And how does Abraham know if you had a Bris? He's going to go to the cavern, and look to see if you had a Bris. That's what matters. And a girl doesn't have a Bris, so that's it. He doesn't save them. They all go to Gehenim? Like, what's going on? So there's a whole on this that it's talking about the Arla and the Neshama. So when your Neshama comes to Shemayim, Right, person who did averus and didn't do tshuva has an arla. He, him, he doesn't save. But the ones who did, who had a bris, what it means, they did tshuva and they cut that arla off, the arla of with the, the Avera That's the ones he saved. So women, men, they both have the same arla when it comes to the neshama. So he sits, so he's sitting on one side, Paro's sitting on the other side. Avram Avinu is saving everyone, Paro's yelling at everyone. I'm Paro, and look at that, and what that that he did tshuva. So you see, and the Rambam talks about Paro. How could it be? The great LeParo, you took away his choice. And he talks about other people. Hashem took away their choice. So he Hashem didn't take away their choice. They were over and over and over. They did this, he, Hashem didn't make him kill little, little babies. That's not what he did. That he should, that he, he should bathe in, in blood. A, it, I'm just going off a little bit for a second. But it's such an unbelievable Dvart Torah. And I'm not going to be here probably again before Pesach. Not in this shul anyway. This is an amazing Dvart Torah. Listen to this. Because it's in the same subject. So we dip our Mara in the Choresis. Right? Why? To make the marah, the marah's chayyim sweeter. What does the haroises, the says, what does the haroises stand for? The bricks. The bricks that the Jews, that, they, that, that it's red, you have to use red wine, from the blood of the children that we use when they, they didn't have enough bricks. They had to put a baby in the wall instead of the brick. So, if you ran out of bricks, you didn't have enough bricks, the, the, the Mitzrayim would make you put a baby instead. Can you imagine? I mean, the Nazis were the Nazis. Can you imagine taking a live baby, putting it in a wall, and then putting cement around it and watching it die? It's, not, it's beyond anything that we could ever believe, right? That, the Mitzrayim did that. That's what, so, one second. You're telling me to take the model of my and they beat me, they smacked me, they made me work, but I'm going to make it sweeter. I'm going to dip it in the blood of the Jewish kids that were in the wall that makes it you shouldn't be using wine you should be using red wine vinegar that is much worse than the maror. so what do you mean the haroises should be sweet and the haroises reminds me of the dead babies in the wall and that's going to make my maror better? it's worse than the Marah kasha. crazy kasha. the terrace is amazing the teretz is like this the teretz is that when the Mitzrayim were in the Yamsuf and they came to the Yamsuf and Hashem was about to drown them so the Medrash says that the Tsar of, of, of Paro of Mitzrayim came before Hashem and said we have a Taina you cannot drown the Mitzrim." according to the Jewish Halacha they did nothing wrong what were they saying so the is that there are three things we're not allowed to do. You know, right? No matter what, to save your life. You're not allowed to kill. You're not allowed to, uh, to commit adultery, right? And, and uh, you're, not, you're not allowed to serve a voidesara. Now, what's the halacha if someone puts a gun to your head and says, "Bow down to this voidesara"? Mm-hmm. Halacha is supposed to give up your life. Well, Let's say you don't. Let's say you bow down to. I, I, I can't do it. I'm not. That, I'm not so brave, right? Guy has a gun to my head, so I bow down. Are you chayev? Shuchem says Pater because it's an eines. So even though Lechachili, you were supposed to give up your life for those three things, but if you didn't, in Shemayim you're potter because it's an Inas. So along came the Sarah Paro, the mitrayim, and said to Hashem, One second. You are drowning the Mitzrayim, Mita, that they drowned the Jewish baby boys. But Paro told them that that's what they have to do. And if they wouldn't have listened, they're Moribah Malchus. Moribah is chayev Misa. So they either threw the babies into the Nile, or they got killed. So really, according to Jewish law, you don't have a right to kill someone to save your life. But if you did, right, you're an anise. So all the Mitzrayim were commanded by power to do this. They're ointzim. And if they're ointzim, you can't punish them. And Bethlehem Shomayla had a problem. <laughs> they couldn't drown the Mitzrayim. Along came the Malach of Michal, and he flew down to Mitzrayim, and he took a baby out of the wall, and he threw it in front of the Kisar Kavleid. And he said, Kodesh it's true, we can't, we can't punish them because the king told them to throw them into the Nile, and they did it to save their lives and their pater. But the king, if you learn all the Torah, the king never told them to put babies as bricks. That was their idea, and their idea, they're chayiv. And said the lashon of the of the, the medrash is said, "Tuba drown them all." So now let's look at it. So the Chayy says, which is from the blood of the children that were in the walls. The blood of the children in the walls is what saved us from the mitreum being saved. They would drown because of that. Therefore, even though it looked terrible and it looked like the worst thing in the world, in the end, it was sweet. It's what saved Klai going through the Yomstam not to be followed by the mitreum. So you see that something in life that looks like the worst thing in the world could be sweet. The Mara represents in the Seder. The bitter part of all our lives, and everybody has a bitter part of their lives sometime, somewhere. What better place to dip the mara, which looks like the most bitter thing in the world, my life is so bitter, into something that looked even worse, but in the end it was much better? So, to make the mara sweeter, to make it easier, we dip it in something that was worse that ended up being better. take Jacob Shah and it answers the whole question of why the, the, the halacha is you have to use sweet wine and, the, and the, the, the thing that represents the dead babies has to be sweet and it's a lesson to us all of us that things in life that we go through that sometimes look very very hard and very bad really are very very good my father's yard site was Sunday night Father Ola Shalom Yitzhak Menchab Kayan was an unbelievable Balamunah anyone who knew him I'll tell you just a short crazy story so he came home from Israel he couldn't swallow so he went to the doctor and they did an endoscopy and they saw something and they did a biopsy and the doctor called us in I went with my I went with my father and he said Mr. Wallerstein I do not have good news you have esophageal cancer Sophical cancer is ext- it, it 's it's, it's very, very aggressive, and it goes to the liver i 'm sorry to say this three months that is like you should God forbid you never anyone should ever hear such a thing that 's it three months after that, no grandchildren, no marriages no, you 're not going to see anything three months. What was my father's answer to him? So normally you say, what are you? You're a doctor. You're a Ben-Adam. What do you know? God runs the world. You know? And you walk out of there like, you hope you'll get an ace, Nifla. Everyone answers the same thing. You walk out. of you're from, you're like, he's a doctor. He's a bust of a dumb. type should be right from the Gehenna. You know, he's going to be go to Gehenna way before I die. My <laughs> father looks at the doctor. He says, Doctor, can you guarantee me three months? He says, I, I, think, I think three months would, be, would probably be the right number. He said, no, you don't understand me. He said, I'm an Orthodox Jew. Nobody can guarantee us another second. You're telling me guarantee I'm going to live for three months? That's amazing! The guy looked at him like, <laughs> what? I'm like doctor what my father's trying to say is that we, we say that every day is our last day that's why we have to behave every day is like our last day and you're telling him that he has 90 more of those days I said there's no rabbi the greatest rabbi in the world can't tell a, a Jew that he's going to live for 3 months and you just told my father he's going to live for 3 months my father is very happy he could not put it together like what is this man he's either an angel or he's nuts that was his amuna. You guarantee me three months That's, no one ever did that for me. That's like, wow. That's amazing. That was his Amuna. So there's a story about a king who had a doctor who this doctor used to go with him all the time when they went hunting. And one day this doctor's going with him. They're hunting, and he was cutting, he was carving something, and the king cut his his uh, index finger very deep, and he went to the doctor that was with him, and he sewed it up, and he put cream on it, and he put a bandage on it, and he put it really tight, and the king looked at the doctor he said, do you think I'm going to be okay? And the doctor said, I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. Very strange. A, d- a week later he comes back to him, he says, my finger's all, all swollen, can you help me? He goes, sure, we'll soak it, we'll put some more cream on it. Will it work? Maybe yes, maybe no. Okay. Comes back the following week, his whole hand is swollen. The doctor's like, wow, this really got bad. Okay, take these antibiotics, you'll be okay. Will it, will it help? Will, I, will it be okay? Maybe yes, maybe no. Comes back the fourth time, his mom is green, it's blue. It's, he's got, they got The doctor says, King, I love you, but we have no choice. We have to amputate your index finger. King says, if you amputate my index finger, I'll be okay? I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no king says, that's it. No more maybe yes, maybe no. No more doctor. I'm taking you. Soldiers put him in the deepest dungeon in the country and let him rot to death over there. And they take, he was his king. They take him away. You know have I'm a guy. He's amputating my finger. Maybe yes, maybe no. So he goes to the hospital. He has no choice. And they amputate his next finger. And this guy's in the dungeon. So, two, three weeks later, the king goes hunting again. And they're attacked by these savages. And the savages take the king to their village And they believed in human sacrifice, like the Incas and the Aztecs. Human sacrifice. And here they captured this civilized man. So with a big party in the village. Tonight we're sacrificing to our God, like Milech was sacrificing this king, whatever he is. So they tie him up, and they're dancing around. They got vegetables and fruits and everything. And there's a medicine man. He's the one that, that sacrifices it. And they're about to pick him up, and they're going to put him on the mezbeach. And the medicine man is standing and goes... No, 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 put him down, put him down They put him down, what's going on? He says, he has a mum, he's mixing his finger. If we serve our God with someone who's missing a finger, the God is going to be so angry, you didn't didn't send me a whole person, he's going to take it out on us, we don't want any part of this guy, let him go. King's running back to the palace, he's like, Baruch Hashem, the doctor saved me, my finger got cut off and that's what saved me. Goes running to the prison, runs into the room. He says, Doctor, you don't understand. I owe you so much. And the doctor looks up at the king. And he says, no. I owe you a lot more for putting me in the dungeon. And the king says, what are you talking about? He says, you see, if you wouldn't have put me in the dungeon, and I would have been on the hunting trip with you, I would have been the sacrifice. <laughs> you have to think about it for a second, right? But he had he had all his fingers. That's the story of Amuna. The story of Amuna is understanding that whatever happens to a person is really for their good. It, it's it's on a, it's on a different level. You know, there's a very cute story with this guy who used to be a, a tight uh, tight wire walker in the circus, and he was offered a million dollars to tight tight rope walk on the Grand Canyon. So he asked his friend, they're offering me a million dollars, but the Grand Canyon, it's windy, you look down, there's no end, I don't know if I should do it. His friend's like, listen, I'm your friend for 30 years. You're the best! You're the best in the world! You can walk it with your eyes closed. It's a million dollars, you have to do it. He says, you sure? I don't really want to die, I have kids. and You can do it. So they fly him out to the Grand Canyon, You can imagine these two guys are standing by Grand Canyon, the wires across the Grand Canyon is blowing the wind. And he's like to his friend, You sure I I don't need the million dollars that much? I don't want to die. You sure? So listen to me. You you do a unicycle on the wire, you've done, right? You've walked across it hopping on one foot. There was never a net underneath you. Just think that you're in the circus. You'll be fine. You sure? Absolutely. So before he puts his foot on the wire, everyone's all the television, everyone's there. He turns around to his friend and says, you're my best friend. You look at me in the eye. Just tell me, I'll be. I can do this. You look him in the eye. He goes one million percent. If anyone in the world can do it, you can do it. Now get on the wire. And he turns to his friend. and He says, "You sure?" He says, "Yes. Okay. Get on my shoulders." <laughs> no. Oh, you're so sure. You're so sure, but you're not willing to get on my shoulders. It doesn't do between a moon and Oh, Everyone asks me, "What's the difference between the moon and The moon is. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. Really? Jump into the fire. That's bitachon. The action is the bitachon. You believe I can go across? Then why don't you get on my shoulders? <laughs> so, his amuna was amazing. But there's a, there's a pshar. It's, it's, you, have, you have to understand what this means. What it means is as follows. This kid's telling his whole class that his father is the best man in the whole world. He loves him more than everybody else. Everyone is jealous of him. Everyone is jealous. And there's one kid's like, I don't believe a word you're saying. Your father probably hates you. You just tell us that to make us jealous. He says, Really? You come home and meet my father. You'll see that he loves me. Kid says, Okay. So they come home. The father's not there. They're playing ball, whatever it is. Father drives up, comes and goes into the house. A couple of minutes, these two kids walk in. The son and his friend. His friend's like, Yeah, let's see about your father. And they walk in, and the kitchen table is a glass of water. And the son of the father, he's very thirsty, so he goes to take the glass of water, he picks it up, he's about to make a bracha, his father walks in, chayim! Whack! Slams him on his hand, the glass goes flying across the room. The other friend sitting in the stand, he goes, he your father's just like mine. He ain't any better. I'm running back to school, I'm telling everyone you're a liar! you look at that your father You let you have a glass of water what a smack you just got <clears throat> he runs <coughs> kid's standing there his father never in his life of all the times to do this with his friend there his father never he looks up at his father he says Tati what was that <laughs> his father says Shefua I saved your life mommy asked me to bring a cup of bleach downstairs to the laundry and I just put it on the table. I didn't realize you were going to come home and I walk in and you're holding a cup of bleach. You're about to drink it. You would have died. So I, I, couldn't, I knew it was too late. It was already up to you were making the bracha. I slammed it out of your hand. And the kid looks up at his father and he goes, I knew it. <laughs> but what am I going to tell my friends? <laughs> He's never going to believe it. I deal with this all the time. The kids that don't believe in Hashem, the kids that are atheists, the kids that run out of the room before they understand anything. But this little boy is not the top of a Because he had to ask his father, why did you do that? The top of a is that when his father slapped his hand, he turns around to the boy and says, it's bleach. It's got to be bleach. It's got to be poison. My father doesn't slap water out of my hand. The top of Amuna is not even asking the question. I know there's a WhatsApp going around of something that I said in Eich Yisrael that uh, somebody that was by Rav Steinman, you know Rav Steinman was very sick. They didn't think he was going to make it. Their momish didn't think he was going to make it 10 days ago or 2 weeks ago. He had pneumonia. He was pulled into the hospital in the last two months. Pneumonia for the third time. He's 103 years old. They said, there's no way. So this, the doctor said, you know, bring in a minion, whatever it is. And when Rav Steinman came out of it, he's, he's back in the base measures. Like, like nothing happened. So when Rav Steinman came out of it, one of my, someone that I know very well, was in the room. Because they thought he was going to get you that. And the doctor said to him, Rabbi Inavrit, he said, Rabbi, you're living... On miracles. And in a second, Steinman looked back at, at the doctor and said, and so are you. In a second. What, you, you think because I have pneumonia and I got better, that, that's a bigger miracle than waking up in the morning? So the top of Amunah, the top of Amunah Amuna is realizing that when you get to Schleck, you know, every time I, I miss a plane, eh, anyone who knows me, is that once in a while I'm late. And once in a while, I miss planes. And, you know, today they have these crazy things. that they clo- Once they close that 10 minutes before, they don't wait till the last minute, they close that gate thing, FAA, right? I'm like, I got 10 minutes, I got 10 minutes. She's like, there's nothing to talk about. FAA rules, once it closes, we can't reopen. It's not true. I don't believe there's an FAA rule. Whatever, <laughs> right? But that's what they say. And I look out the window, and here's my plane, going, to, my, my JetBlue, going to California without me because I missed the plane. And I look out the window, I'm looking at the plane, and I'm like... I feel so sorry for all the people on the plane. For sure, Hashem made me miss the plane. It's going to crash, right? For sure. When you miss a plane, it's for sure going to crash, right? You have all those people, right? Not you're going to blame yourself for being late. It's going to crash, right? And you're like, you say, it's all, maybe Hashem will save them. hope there's no Jews on the plane. And then once in a while, I even call to find out, did it land? Did it make it? Right? Because I'm sure I'm going to have a story for everyone. I missed the plane and it crashed and I was saved, right? And they say the same thing every time. I'm like, hi, JetBlue, flight 41 to LA. Um, did it arrive? And they're like, yeah, 40 minutes early. <laughs> because they didn't have to open for Wallenstein, Right? So so you always have to figure out that Toiva, the top would be The top would be I believe very much that's who my father was. Is that when you get the schleck, it's like, it has to be good. It cannot be not good. Because my father would never slap water out of my hands, he would only slap bleach out of my hands of course it's a very big level of I'm not telling you that it isn't but a person can get there going back to the Rambam the Rambam says that if you lose your keys if you lose your keys a person who's addicted a person who has an addiction just like in a hotel if you lose your keys you left them in the room you're stuck what do you do? you go down to the manager right? And he has a key that, I don't know how those keys work, I'm still trying to figure it out, cause I'm in a Pesach hotel, and the, the, the chambermaid can open every door on the floor, with one key. I don't know how that works. We used to call it a skeleton key, right? They don't use that word anymore. So it's, it's called a master key, right? But this master key can open every single door in the hotel. Says so the Ramam, that, where do you go? You go to the manager, and you ask the manager, could you please open the, it's a beautiful Ramam, Hilchus Chuva, Pereg he says, So the Chachamim said, Go to the Master. Daven to HaKadosh Kurdish baruchu. Baruch, Kodesh Baruch Hu, I lost my key. I'm an addict. I'm an addict in this. I'm an addict in that. I can't stop. I can't stop gambling. I can't, whatever it is. I lost my keys. I left them. I don't have them anymore. But you are Kurdish baruchu. you're the manager of, of life. You're the manager of the world. You have the Master key. So I'm davening through tefillah. Please give me back my choice. Please give me back my key. But at the end of the day the one time so whoever in this room drank already played cards already whatever whatever your addiction whatever you did and it's in your head so I lost it, what am I supposed to do? right? you're telling me I closed the road I thought that I'm, I'm free of it you're free of it if you build a road in front of it if you get into you get into learning in such a way that your whole escape your whole life is learning Then no matter what happens you're going to the book if you're about chesed and you created a chesed fund, a chesed organization, and you're building it and you're working on it, or sure, whatever you're doing, that becomes a huge highway. So when you, when you are traumatized, and when something happens to your kid and he's off the Derek or something in business, or your wife is yelling at you, whatever it is, what do you do? You're going to go into a positive place. You're either going to learn more, so at the end of the day, well, you escape into the book, yeah, but I just finished shas. That's why I escaped, finish shas. Oh, you escaped. In doing chesed, it's true. That's where I escaped. I created my new highway. But what do I have from that highway? I have a new shul. I'm doing chesed. I became, I, I, I became part of an organization that goes around and does the time chesed. I joined the Hebrot Kedisha. I joined Hatzalah. Very much, I find, not, not, not complaining on Hatzalah guys, but Hatzalah guys who are Hatzalah guys, that's a huge road. It keeps them out of trouble. A lot of trouble. Sometimes, most of the time. Really, because that's a road. I'm a Hatzalah guy. And, 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 and my ambulance and this and that and saving people. That's a huge road when you save somebody's life. So even if you have other roads when you were a kid, you, you did other things. But I'm a Hatzalah guy. I'm a kaddisha guy. So you create something new. No, I can't, I can't tell you that the road... It's, it's, it's a question what I'm saying... In the psyche, you can't change it. In, in, the, in the actual Averi, you could, because the Rambam says you become a barrier chadasha. When a person does a real Tshuva, you become a barrier chadasha. If that's true, you do a really, really Tshuva, then you tak and have no more roads, because now you're a new barrier. If you're a new barrier, then you're starting, with new ro- you're starting with no roads. The Rambam says that, you, that you, halakhically, you have to change your name. You have to change your name if you do Tshuva the way you're supposed to. We don't pass him like that. So according to the if you do a real, real chuva. Let me tell you what a real truth is. A real chuva is that when you talk about your stuff that you did, it makes you nauseous. It makes you sick. In other words, when you talk about when you used to do drugs, when you used to smoke pot with the guys, right? Now when you say it, it is so shameful. It is. It hurts so much. That's a real chuva. It's very hard to do that. I can tell you that I've, I, you know, the, all the things that I've done when I talk to my friends about it, we're laughing. It's like, hey, remember that? Yeah, you remember that. That's not real chuva. Real chuva is that when you go back there to that place, it disgusts you. So then it doesn't exist anymore. It's very hard. You have to be on a very high level of kadusha to understand the tumma and the stuff that you did when you were younger. But if you can get there, that it wish, makes you nauseous? The Raman says you're you a beye chadasha, beye chadasha. you have no roads. But that's a, that's very hard to get to that point. So this is what happened in Pastor Bashallach. In Pastor Bashallah, Baruch Hu said, and he taught us this, you know, everyone goes to, to school to learn psychology. Khaj Baruch Hu said, I am God. The key Sometimes it's too close. It takes time to change. People like to change right away. It takes time. To change. Why? Because it takes time to build a road. And that, again, that is what I came out here tonight to speak about, is that we all have our roads. There's nothing to talk about. Maybe some people here never did anything wrong and don't have any addictions, small addictions, big addictions, whatever it is. But the ones that do, you're not lost. But if you do not create that new road, I am telling you from my experience, you are not protecting yourself. Because things in life, this, this guy did not smoke. He did not smoke for 29 years. But he didn't have another road to go to, to escape his pain. So he ended up back in a box of cigarettes. What we need to do, is to jump into something positive, and to create this unbelievable super highway. And if we create that, that's where we're going to live. And Bezrat HaShem HaKadosh Baruch should now... After we've been in Golas for so long, and and that's part of you know the the Gullis, my fa- my grandpa, my father used to call the Golas Yid. I didn't understand what that meant. It's a Yiddish saying. The Golas Yid is we're also we're also in Golas so long that that we we our psyche is like we're Gullus we're Gullus Jews. And I kush Boko has to take that away. But in the times of Mashiach, we're all going to have Tchias and I, I heard a, a Rav once said, everyone thinks that Tchias and by Mashiach is going to be. For the dead people, right? We're going to see all the dead people come to life. He said, No. He says, Well, Mashiach, everybody's going to be Triassem Esim. All the people that are dead inside, all the people that are far away from Hashem, all the people that have questions, all the people, God's Cliestral. Everyone's going to see the Shekhinah, everyone's going to see Hashem. He said, Triassem Esim is not just for the dead, Triassem is for the living too. When we will be excited to see it's amazing for the dead, it's amazing for the living. With from when You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com